Melissa. How are you? I am good. And it is October and that means it's finally nice crisp weather here in Washington, D.C. A little chilly in the morning, warm by the afternoon. It's perfect fall. For the first like time in the whole month. Yesterday was like the first morning I woke up and I was like, oh man, I need to put socks on. (laughs) My toes are cold. It's really a great, a great time of year. It's your favorite time of year. It is. Fall. Football. Fall football. We, we won't go into that. that no. that's, a, that's another, that's another podcast. We well, we are podcast. I'm just saying. Yeah. We're really cool. Glad to talk club management. Um, this episode with two longtime CMA members who are very passionate about putting people first and seeking that human connection in the workplace. And we had a fabulous conversation Uh, with Three and Jackie Carpenter, both CCMs. Um, And we're so excited to share it with you guys. You know, if you haven't met Three and Jackie, and I don't I don't know how it's possible yeah. that you haven't met. They're, they're at every industry. like CMAA event that we do, you know, every world conference they're, they're around. I think they're, they're just really recognizable faces that, and we're all really grateful to know them as well. And so this, as Melissa said, this conversation was really wonderful to get to talk to them about their book, but go on. <laughs> you know, they, they have both spent their careers in the private club industry where we know that member service is, you know, must be at the highest level. And so with that track record for creating incredibly connected teams and upbeat work cultures and thriving organizations, um, they have really uh, worked through creating a process to develop and encourage employees to excel beyond their own expectations. They make coaching and cheering on students, interns, and young adults early in their careers their specialty. They both are really known for their enthusiasm and their ability to connect with people. They're they're just two of the warmest people you'll ever meet. Absolutely. Um, And while they're both continuing to work in the private club landscape and they both uh, speak and mentor on the importance, they're really focusing on this concept of people first. And so they just launched a the culmination of a six-year project, their first book, which just came out earlier this month. Uh, The book is called People First. The five steps to pure human connection and a thriving organization. Well, we are thrilled to have two longtime CMA members turned authors here with us today. So thank you, Three and Jackie, for being with us today. We are so excited. Hey, thanks so much. We're super excited to be here. Boy, is this exciting. Just the whole idea of being able to do something with CMA, especially with the celebration of the new book coming out. Thank you all for doing this. Absolutely. So both of you bring a lot of experience to the club industry um, and kind of based on all those experiences, when was it that you realized that putting people first, the title of your new book, was really critical to success and really success in this industry? Uh, You know, it's going to sound really funny, but there's a story in the book that in uh, the fall of 1992, to date myself rather tremendously, um, I was interviewing for my very first job right out of college. And during that interview, I answered a question with something that turned out to literally be like my mantra and ultimately Jackie's, which was this whole concept of people first. And the answer in essence was that my focus would primarily be on the employees of the club, 
which then ultimately would have impact on the members, which ultimately would have impact on the community that our club, you know, uh, resided in. And it was interesting, I think, because, you know, it was no moment of actual brilliance. It just happened to be what came to me and, and it really defined my entire work life from that moment through today. And I think that throughout our times, not only working together, but working with some really amazing people all around this country, we found that people with like-minded theory of caring about the employees first, we kind of all gravitated together and created something really, really special on a number of occasions. And over time, we decided that that was maybe noteworthy as we were starting to see a lot of businesses, you know, not necessarily clubs, but just businesses all over the world not thinking that way. And so I think it really inspired us to put that message forward. Yeah, And kind of a funny story um, about the book title, you guys, was um, we actually, it took us forever to come up with a title for the book. <laughs> Um, and we've had, we probably had like 12 different titles and we're like, great, this is the new title and we're going with it. And what we were trying to do is like, you know, really come up with like something sexy, you know, like some <laughs> cool buzzword type thing that was going to be like this, you know, whatever. And at the end of the day, we had the book pretty much finished and we're like, okay, we really have to decide on a title. And our agent out of New York who helped us write the book, um, was like, what about people first? Like, why are we overcomplicating it? Um, and that's actually been something that's sort of been our mantra now is like, let's, we're, we don't want to overcomplicate it. Like, let's go back to the basics. Let's go back. Like, let's get rid of all the conflict. Like everyone's tired of complicated, you know, like all the stuff. And it's been, it was actually one of the coolest things because it's very simple. And, you know, when you read the title, you kind of get what we're saying, right? It's about people first. So, yeah. I love that. I think that that like, the idea of kind of like stripping down and kind of going back to basics, I think probably I haven't read the book yet. I'm ashamed to admit this, but I'm excited to do so. Um, but I assume that that's what you all get at in, in the book. So yeah, yeah, there's several different avenues and steps of where we're just like, we're just going to uncomplicate it. Like, let's just really be simple. Let's just so, um, you know, kind of spoiler alert, but the book is, you know, the five steps to pure human connection in a thriving organization. And the five steps are each literally one word. And there, we just we kind of just tried to, like, strip it down and make it so easy for people to get it, you know, like any level of anybody on in any organization, in any industry, like, let's just be simple and easy to understand. So that was really the goal, I think, um, kind of throughout. Well, I think that's that makes a lot of sense, though, because there's sort of a universality to it then, right? When you make it very simple, it becomes much more applicable to people across, not just within our industry, right, but like across all industries and businesses, it can be applied everywhere when it's... Yeah. And that was, that, that was kind of our ultimate goal was to, we politely we, we love the club industry but we wanted it to go beyond just the club sure. industry and three will be the first to tell you like over his career especially like members and people saying like oh my gosh what you created here was so amazing or like you guys are really doing something special and we kept looking at each other we're like aren't other people doing this like isn't other businesses doing it and then we found like the more research we did and the more we kind of dug into it we were sort of um, appalled, honestly, that no, this wasn't normal. <laughs> this wasn't what is happening in other businesses. And so anyway, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, I think the club industry does this better than almost any yeah. other industry, you know, hospitality, maybe a little bit too, but I think the club industry, you know, really specifically, and as you really start to pay attention and as we were writing it and doing a lot of research, 
it was amazing how much you see that miss, you know, in, in businesses and industry beyond, you know, the club. So mm -hmm. I think that sort of gave us um, some, some pride in the idea that we were heading down the right direction. Yeah. I like that. Jackie, you mentioned human connection, and I think that leads really nicely into our next question. Um, why is human connection sort of essential to building a company culture? And what advice do you have for employers or managers or leaders, I guess, in any business who are kind of struggling to connect with their teams, um, especially now during the pandemic where we've seen, you know, whether we're being physically separated from each other and connection is much more difficult or, you know, otherwise, like where, where do you see that coming into play? Yeah. So, um, so uh, we didn't get to share this yet, but um, it took us <clears throat> six years to write this book. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but club managers are kind of busy. Um, and we, I have a, I'm the editor of the private club advisor and we have two little kids. So, you know, we were cramming this into our free time, which, you know, we didn't have a lot of free time. So, um, so it took us a long time to write this book. And um, over the course of the time in our research, what we found is that technology has been amazing. And the purpose of technology is to bring us together. I mean, look at what we're doing right now, right? And um, we have these opportunities, but technologies accidentally um, kind of overwhelmed us and distracted us. And so, I mean, you guys know, right, this is not new information, but everybody has their phones and everybody's looking at their phones. And so in our, in our you know, meetings and in our conversations and at our dinner tables, like we're just distracted and we kind of have forgotten what that means and what that really looks like to like, again, go back to those basics. I'm going to let you tell the story of the wave in a second here because that's kind of the crux. But um, and so as we were writing this book and as we were kind of really digging in and this was something another reason it took us so long, you guys, to write this was a we wanted to write something that was good. And so hopefully, I don't know, uh, we think we maybe achieved that. I don't know. But uh, we wrote something that was good. But secondly, um, we wanted it to be very replicatable and something that people could read and know what they need to do, because it's my pet peeve. Um, to go to a class or an education session or to read a book and they go, this is a great idea. This is a great idea. This is a great idea. And you get to the end of the book and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a great idea. What do I do? Where do I start? Right. And so we did not want that to be the case with our book. We wanted it to be actionable takeaways that you can start implementing things in your organization. So, um, but everything came down to this notion of connecting and to really sit and face to face with somebody and to have those conversations and it starts with you know recruiting and it starts with the hiring process and the things that are sparked from that are amazing and that but it's really what it comes down to and three's going to tell a story here in a second but um and then just recently with the pandemic, obviously, that has like pulled us apart even more and people are working remotely. Um, there was a study done just a couple of months ago from the London Business School. And it was actually like three or four studies and they crammed it all into this one big, huge report. And I'll, I'll save you the time reading it. Um, essentially what it came up with is that managers over the course of the pandemic, managers have gotten really good, um, really efficient, surprisingly, because you're not interrupted all the time, right? And there's not these water cooler moments and all this stuff happening. So managers are really efficient, but it's because they're more focused on tasks and less focused on people. And when we read that, we were like, oh, this is like totally making our point of, because it's harder to have, you know, um, 
organic conversations or coaching conversations or really talking about goals and careers over Zoom unless you literally schedule a meeting for that and nobody's really doing that, right? So there's so many of these things, Kyle, that just comes back to connection. And this is what it really stemmed from is we found this like perfect example. And it, this is in the book, so a little bit of a spoiler alert here, but go ahead. Well, it's funny because the pure human connection piece, you know, I'm a person who really wants to see sort of visual representations of what we're trying to say. So we're big football fans, you know, and anybody watches college football, regardless of what team you follow, you know, I'm an Iowa kid. So I grew up following the University of Iowa and and being honest, um, anything in college football, there's great um, moments in sports. One of the ones that's really amazing and is literally the perfect visual example of pure human connection is the wave in Iowa City. So all of these folks, 70,000 people are in Kinnick Stadium and doesn't make any difference what's going on in the football game. But at the end of that first quarter, everything stops. The referees line up together and they stand, they wave. The opposing team stops, they wave. Everybody in the stadium stops and they wave at those kids. And there's, there's the, um, the children's hospital is right behind the stadium. So, yeah. So that moment is very literally pure human connection. And it's the thing I think that our world is is starving for, and especially now after this, you know, after we're dealing and still dealing with the pandemic, people are absolutely hungry for it at every turn. Yeah, and the example of the wave, um, we cry every time we watch a video or anything because what that moment of 70,000 people turning and looking at the kids and their families in the hospital and just saying, we see you, we're with you. And it costs nothing, literally costs nothing. And it takes just a few minutes. But that is the whole point to everything in our book is like, it's uncomplicated, right? It's not difficult. It doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't, it's not this big thing. It's literally just having the right intention and making it. Prioritizing clear. those things yeah. and making that what you're gonna really focus on. Yeah. I love the story of the wave. Sorry. I'm I also big, big 10 football fan, um, okay. but not Iowa. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Badger fan over here, but it's fine. But that's such yeah. a great story. And the wave is like one of the best things in college football ever, ever, ever. Go ahead, Melissa. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you've given us a couple um, a good previews about what's in the book, but you talk about the, the five steps of, of pure human connection. Can you take us through what those steps are and, and give our listeners a little bit of a little bit further of a preview? Absolutely, sure. Um, so the first step is credibility. And it's really about your outward message to the world as who you are as an employer. Um, it starts within your four walls because really it's what your current employees are saying about you as an employer. Um, but it's really that outward message. And so in order to be credible, you really have to be truth, um, truthful and trustworthy and some an employer that your people can be proud to work for. Um, the truth is today that you can't fake anything because you'll be found out. I mean, there's no way around it. So it's really about taking care of your employees and um, you know building that credibility as an employer. Um, the second one, uh, the second step is candor. And it's really this notion of being authentic and genuine and open and honest with your employees, especially during the hiring phase. Um, we've literally heard horror stories um, from people within the industry and outside the industry where they were hired for a job and talked about it, saw the job description, they agreed on it. And when they showed up for orientation, it was literally for a different job. 
like literally something they didn't want to do. And we believe that's a really good way to run off good people because that isn't really what you want to do. So in that hiring phase and when you're interviewing people, um, we urge you to just be genuine, authentic, make it um, a conversation, not an interrogation, which can be challenging. Well, I think back to watching your interview in Dallas a lot, and it was always funny because when we were trying to rebuild the culture of that club at the very beginning, I mean, it was kind of rough. And so Jackie would sit and talk to these potential candidates that were going to come in and join, you know, some really good people, but also some folks that maybe weren't performing at the level we wanted and say, look, we're here, but we need you to come be part of our team to help us continue to be better and grow. And, and she really was very honest about the fact that we were on a journey and we wanted them to be part of that journey, but we weren't there. As we started to get there, it was a much more interesting conversation when we were interviewing people then to be like, hey, you know, we're doing really well in some things and we really want you to be part of a great team. And that became a different message as time went, but it was a very authentic message that, you know, we aren't always perfect and we need you to help us be better. Yeah, and that can be really tricky right now, especially when people are maybe a little desperate for workers. And so they might not want to tell people the truth about like, hey, you know what, you have to work nights and weekends and holidays, <laughs> um, you know, all of those things. But yet not telling the truth isn't doing you any favors because people are gonna find out and they're gonna quit. So you're better off, you know, being candid right off the rip is, is kind of where candor comes into play. Um, the third one is cultivation. And we sort of equate this one with after you've hired somebody, you're bringing them on board. Um, it's like the first 90 days, right, of a new employee. And so many times people think of this period as like a sink or swim period to weed out the weak ones. It's like, you know, the catch all for getting rid of the, the weak hires that we might have made a mistake on or something, you know, got to prove yourself. Like, that's just wrong. It's just absolutely not a great way to go about um, onboarding people. Instead, cultivation really needs to be like this supporting, um, uplifting, nurturing time where employees are delighted to help the new person figure out the copy machine or delighted to show you for the sixth time where, you know, how to get into the liquor closet or whatever, um, instead of being irritated or annoyed or like, you figure it out, I'm busy, right? Like, so this notion of cultivating new employees is really the crux. Do you need to add to no. that? Okay. Um, so then the fourth one is commitment. And this is really where we help people own their jobs. And so after the first 90 days, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, ditching people after the first 90 days and never talking to them again probably isn't a great way to go about it, right? But we found that people really have good intentions and like we mean to, but everyone's so busy that it just kind of falls by the wayside. And so we've got to have some major uh, intention, again, coming back to the wave, like keeping those relationships alive, continuing the connection beyond those first 90 days. And so commitment's really about helping people own their jobs. Um, it's really empowering them and supporting them and like continuing that education piece beyond just the first 90 days, which again, we have good intentions for usually, but doesn't always happen. So we've got to make sure that that happens. And then the last step, um, the fifth step is care. And that one is exactly what it says, is it's really about caring. And it's showing your people that you care about them as an employer. 
um, and at, again, any level of an organization, but it's really about, you know, recognizing, rewarding people, helping people see that they're valued, because what we found is when people feel valued, they produce value in return. Mm. Um, and that's the goal, right? That's what we want. And so these five steps are really um, strong individually. You, like, you have to have each one individually. But the funny thing was, is after we got them all laid out, we realized like, actually they're all very dependent on one another. Like you can't tell somebody something in an interview and then have them show up like that's not candor, but also that's hurting your credibility if you do that as an employer, right? Or if you, um, you know, say you're gonna de deliver all of this education and training and then you don't, you, you're not really showing that you care, you know? So all of them are very, it's a very cyclical process, but again, very strong on their own. Did I miss anything? No, you hit them all. Okay, well, yeah, I don't know. Did that all make sense to you guys? I don't know if you have any questions on that. It did. No, I, I really love the interconnectedness of all of that. You're, you know, the, the fact that one really leads into the other and it, it is a cycle and, you know, truly never, never ending cycle either. Exactly. And it really, it takes the intention and the focus all the time. And one of the things, um, maybe again, on the list of reasons why it took us so long to write this book is um, we really wanted to create something that was comprehensive. And in all of our research and the things that we were reading and a lot of times in leadership books, it kind of hones in on like one thing or like recruiter, you know, employer brand. And this is how you recruit. and This is what you do. Or here's the five questions to ask in an interview. Um, you know, it sort of is like piecemealed. And yet we kind of, again, simplified it and said, well, really, it's a mindset and it's the people first mindset. And this is what it looks like throughout the entire employee life cycle, because you, you, you can't have one without the other. You know what I mean? Like they are dependent on one another. I know there's some really great nuggets in the book and um, there's some great wisdom that you cite. You know, you talk Sir Richard Branson, you've got Kim Scott in there. Kyle and I are both huge fans of Brene Brown and um, we know her thought leadership is in there as well. So, you know, what, what quote or piece of information is the most impactful to you? Mm -hmm. You go. Oh gosh, I don't know. You know, it's funny as I've read it over and over, and I, I, you guys are gonna laugh. I carry it uh, with me in my backpack uh, since it came out, and honestly, read it as I've traveled to different events and stuff. And I don't know. I, I think it depends on what my mood is. I find different things, um, you know, really, really valuable. There's some stuff about Disney that always has impacted me a great deal. Um, you know, we were really, really fortunate, and this is, you know, at the beginning. But Tommy Spalding, you know, who who um, is a great author and somebody that we have in, uh, you know, incredible respect for, was gracious enough to write our forward. And there was a lot of what he talked about and what he said, I think that resonated with me maybe uh, more than anything else. Yeah, um, the, the thing that we came down to and just kind of coming off of Tommy is, Tommy always talked about loving your people. Mm. And when we started this process of writing a book, we talked a lot about that. I'm like, well, essentially that's what we're saying. I mean, we're saying you should love your people. But love in business is like kind of a naughty word and it really freaks people out. Like people are scared of that. And Tommy has been brave enough to really introduce that and bring that forward with the heart-led leader. And then um, he's got another book coming out here, in, I think uh, in a few months that his third book is coming out. And it again talks about, you know, this notion of loving people in, in the place of work. And so we actually broke it down um, and we call it love, but it's actually loyalty ownership, value, and excellence. 
And so we took love and created it into things that were maybe more applicable to business and a little bit easier for people to grasp and understand because obviously we want our employees to be loyal, right? Obviously we want them to own their jobs. Obviously we want them to produce value and obviously we want them to operate with excellence. And so if you do those things, really what you're doing, you're loving your people so they can produce those things. I love it. I love that too. That's like... <laughs> It's that's taking all the like touchy feely things and making them like acceptable. <laughs> right, right. Well, and and we did. I mean, in the book titles that we talked about, I mean, we had ones with love in it, and we had connection, <laughs> and we had all these things, and we're like, no, it doesn't feel right. And what we found, and I guess there's another book um, somebody wrote coming out that is um, love. It's damn good business or something. I can't remember who told us that that book's coming out. We needed to look that up. Um, and kind of same notion, right? Is like when you love your people, that's where you get to what you want in return. But a lot of people are scared of that. Uh, well, yeah, I, get, I totally get that because you're right. It is kind of like a, do we talk about yeah. this here or not? I don't know. <laughs> um, right? right. Yeah, for much, sure. When you think about that, though, when you think about great teams, I mean, again, sports metaphor, and, and really, honestly, pick the Bulls, pick I mean, anybody you want. Anyone who's achieved at a ridiculously high level, we, we have some examples in the book as well. Those people, when they're performing at that level, the relationship that exists amongst that team, so again, the Chicago Bulls of those years, those people remain tight. They created relationships that were very personal. They were working for one another. They were working together to make the whole better, right? And I think that that's true. Like when we've had the opportunity to create unbelievably high performing teams. I mean, those are people that we talk to all the time still, and we haven't worked together, you know, in a decade plus, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is actually in its literal form, love, mm -hmm. uh, but in a business way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, well, if, if you study like scripture, you learn all about like all the different types of love and there's, you know, there's romantic love, there's platonic love there, but then there's brotherly love, which is that, that like, we're teammates and I care about you. And, and it, it goes beyond that. Like, Oh no, I don't want to like love you, but I, I want you to succeed and I want good things for you. And I understand that in order for that to happen, like there has to be a mutual relationship there. So I think that's super, super important. Um, and I do think that actually leads into our next question, which is we're going to talk about the labor shortage issue, but the, this idea of retaining team members, um, I'm sure this conversation about love can can go into that. Um, but, you know, we are in the midst of this broad labor shortage in our industry. So what advice do you have for employers or managers as they're sort of seeking to recruit the right team members? And then how are you, you know, suggesting that they keep those team members on their team? So, so many things. Um, okay, so... <laughs> So um, first and foremost, we are in the club industry, we are masters of the experience, right? It is all about the members creating amazing member experiences, but now it's about the employee experience. And if people want to be different and they want to keep their employees, the thing is they've got to create a positive employee experience because what happened with the pandemic, like it or not, um, there was this big reevaluation of jobs. And I think um, the pandemic really emphasized and brought to the forefront that people want to have a job that has meaning. They want to love what they do or care about what they do, and they want to be treated well by their employers. And they're not going to work for bosses who are jerks. Like, 
they're not, they're going to go find something else. And it's really not about the money. Um, it's maybe somewhat about the hours and the work-life balance. I mean, I think that that's a big piece of it, but even more than that, it's more about genuinely being cared for and being happy in their jobs. And so if we want to be different and we want to keep people and attract people, um, it's, there's gotta be something different from the schmucks down the street of, you know, the other companies because people want to have a positive experience and really so when we kind of take all the things we do for our members and everybody's sitting there probably going ooh employee you know orientation and the welcome packet and all the stuff that we do to make our members feel comfortable we got to do that for our employees if we want to attract them and keep them what did i miss well no it's exactly that and you know what do your employee bathrooms look like I mean break that rooms. well break rooms do you have a place are you treating them well we were in an education very recently where there was a very serious intelligent conversation over is the future of mid-management in the club industry um going to be some sort of team situation so instead of you know one person who's working a lot of hours and doing this that in the future the club is going to plan that there are two people in that position because of the work-life balance that Jackie just mentioned and and I think the club industry because if they make it a people-centric you know kind of experience like we do with our members I think all of a sudden they're going to reevaluate and maybe even be at the forefront of doing things for our workforce well beyond the private club industry and they should lead much like we do with member experience yeah absolutely I mean we've got to create experiences that people are excited about a because those employees are going to tell other people and that's our constant influx of new people to work at our clubs but also to have a better quality of life I mean it makes our hearts sad because every person that we talk to in any, especially the club industry, but industries beyond, everybody is stressed out, overworked, tired, or burnt out. I mean, the, the pandemic has just, it, we've taken a beating and everybody's really looking at it now. Everyone kind of, the, the grass is greener, right? Like what's, maybe if I go work at this company, even if it's a pay cut, it's going to be a better you know, situation for me. And it's not always that way, but we've got to really look at what we're doing are we rewarding our people? Are we recognizing them? Are we thanking them? Are we creating the kind of life that our people want? Just like three said, are we gonna have co-clubhouse managers instead of one clubhouse manager so that that person can work 40 or 50 hours a week instead of 70 or 80 hours a week consistently? Like we're gonna to have to really look at things to make sure it, it is about our people, right? People first. 100%, I mean, I think you guys hit it on, on the head. I think. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of talk about the great resignation during this pandemic yeah. period. And I think what that's come down to is people really examining, I think I actually said this on our last podcast, but really examining like what they're willing to, you know, experience at work and like what brings value to their life and what does not, what are they willing to put up with and what they're not willing to put up with just to bring home a paycheck, right? The question becomes like, if I go to work every day and I'm busting my butt, but I'm not being recognized for it. I'm not, nobody's asking me or checking in like, hey, how are you doing? This has been the weir worst, weirdest 18 months of all of our lives. And nobody has asked me at one time, you know, like, how's your, how are your mentals right now? Like those kind of things, they add up over time and people are making a values assessment and going, you know what? this maybe isn't worth it to me. I'm going to go find something else. So I think what you guys are talking about in terms of, of again, that people first idea of, yeah, you're a worker and you're producing a product or 
something for me, but you're also a human. And that's the piece that I need to focus on right now um, is really important. And I think I'm glad that that message is starting to, to bubble up and be part of the, the wider conversation um, in business right now, because, you know, people do feel left behind um, and it's, it's tough for sure. Well, Kyle, I think, you know, you are absolutely hundred percent right. And it's, you know, for us, we think it's, it's, creating a culture by where we're working for one another with one another we care about each other we're building this kind of thing so that there's something more to it um you know than just working for that entity mm-hmm. you know the entity can be kind of cold and sometimes you know a customer in the real world or members in our world you know can can be harsh and especially you know you look at things this year and you know people's frustrations relative to the pandemic and and you know political things and all that stuff that just adds up to mm-hmm. to where we are you know 18 months later or whatever it is i think at the end of the end of the day for you know a club like ours you know we've tried to create a culture by where people see kind of loyalty to one another and they're working for one another and they're you know working together through sometimes feeling you know, maybe not as appreciated as they would like from, you know, members and, and customers. And I think that that piece now is incredibly important. Yeah. I mean, it comes back to, right, what we create for our members is a community. And if we can do that for our employees as well, we create this place where they feel, you know, loved and supported and all these things. I mean, a little bit of a spoiler alert here, but um, in the book, we really talk about, can't we be good people working together at life? versus just working together at work. And that I think is the barrier that we kind of have to break through again, that love word, right? Is that's the barrier where we've been trained, um, you know, good, right, good, bad, whatever, um, that we only wanna care about people within our four walls, right? We don't really wanna know your personal stuff. We don't really wanna hear about your kids. We don't want all the stuff. We just, it's a business, this is professional. and you know, that worked for a while, but I think right now what people are starving for is the deeper piece, right? We want to be part of something bigger. We want to belong to something that matters. We want to do something that's important and that impacts others' lives. Um, but what that really comes down to is we want to be connected, right, mm-hmm. to something else. And that come you can't really be connected to a cold building like a company. You have to be connected to people. So if we can kind of keep that as the forefront, I think that's going to benefit everybody. And that kind of is the mindset shift, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's the, it's the acknowledgement of the whole person, right? Because yeah. what happens when I walk into the office is great and I'm me at the office, but what's happening at home is informing who I am when I walk in that door <laughs> yeah. and it's impacting me. Maybe, you know, or if I had kids, maybe my kids were up all night or someone was sick and I didn't sleep well. And then I come to work and then I'm tired and I'm just not on my game, like all of that matters. And to your point, Jackie, of like, when you're within those four walls, if you pretend all that stuff doesn't exist, you're saying that like, well, half of your life doesn't matter to me. (laughs) So figure it out. Um, And I I really think that it's important for all of us, again, to acknowledge the whole person when, you know, when you come to work, yeah, you're here to work, but you're also a human being with a life and a family and dreams and goals and problems and whatever. And if we want to work our best, you know, maybe it means that we work together to help you with all of those things too. It's really humanizing the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. It's about 
seeing people as humans. And we talk a lot about that when we're kind of explaining what people first really is, is we're not cogs in a machine. We're not tools, right, used to create a profit. We are people. So let's be real and let's be people working together with other people, right? Well, and, and my experience is, you know, when, when our teams have known that I care about them personally, they perform at a completely different level mm -hmm. and care about what they're doing professionally uh, so much more. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I love that. I know it took you guys six years to get here, but I think it might be serendipitous that it's coming out now yes. in, in this yeah. in, in this is in this climate. And I think you know it's it, you know we we've had some conversations with some, some other club management professionals about being that employer of choice, but you know really setting yourself apart. And I think this is going to set so many. Um, you know, managers, even within organizations, even if the entire organization can't change to to set them apart. I think it's it's beautiful that way. Yeah, yeah thanks. We, uh, I mean, we've had moments of believing the pandemic happened for a reason um, and it was because of our book. No, <laughs> so our book probably. Uh, yeah, probably. No, uh, it's been really uh, incredible and amazing because especially the last year, year and a half, as we've known the book was coming out, you know, this past October, well, this October, a couple weeks ago, um, we kept going like, oh my gosh, they're saying like, our this is the answer. Our book is the answer. This, everybody's like saying the problem is blank. And we're like, hello, here's the solution. Um, so it's been, it's been kind of cool. And we just hope that it's a resource for people. I mean, we just hope that it's, um, something that can help people. And again, coming back to any level of person, any industry, because we wrote it in a way that you can probably implement it in a Fortune 500 company and make change, but you could also implement it at the local florist shop down the street that's, you know, a mom and pop shop, and you could read it and implement things and you're going to, um, you know, make change. And we believe that people are all you know, really pretty much good people that want to do these things. Um, but it's more of a lack of knowledge and a lack of training and a lack of understanding of really what does it mean to manage people with care? What does it mean to create a positive work experience? What does that really look like? And what does that mean? And until somebody kind of like points that out, like nothing in the book is rocket science at all. <laughs> like there's nothing you know, there's no <laughs> brain surgery happening in the book, um, it, but it's it's common sense. We thought it was common sense, but it's not really common sense in business. It's not really how we've been thought we can treat people and what we need to do. So, yeah, it's kind of what did I miss? Yeah, anything. <laughs> well, I think it's it's cool. I mean, you talk about applying this idea of people first to kind of create a culture shift within within your own business or organization, right? But like this mindset or mentality of people first could really help create a culture shift within business, like big business as, you know, a large scope thing, which I think, you know, we might be in desperate need of at this point in time to Melissa's point about being this being the perfect time for this book to come out. I mean, I think it's, it's very, very applicable. And I think this message will be, resonate um, far and wide for sure. Well, we're both sold on this book, so yes. can you tell us, tell our folks uh, where they can pick up a copy and get started? Yeah, books are available anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble online, um, some Barnes & Noble stores uh, have them uh, in their stores. So, uh, but yeah, otherwise online, you can get them wherever you need them. Well, and uh, the Book Depository, which is sort of a worldwide version of 
um, Amazon. Amazon. So, you know, uh, we've had different people reach out to us in different parts of the, the globe, and this is a very easy way uh, for people to get them there as well. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you for writing this book. I'm really excited to get my hands on a copy and read it. Um, I'll probably like find you at conference, be like, will you sign my book? Um, We will for sure. Yes. I'm very cool and totally chill. Always. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your passion with us. It's evident that this is your passion. Thank you. Well, thanks for letting us be here. We had so much fun talking to you. Uh, we can't tell you guys how important this was to us when uh, we had the opportunity. We were been very excited for this. Well, I think the message is so important, and um, I'm excited for all of our listeners to get to hear this conversation and excited to see you both in person when we're in San Diego. Yay. Melissa, do we have a winner from our last podcast episode if for those of you who don't remember we we put the question out into the universe we asked our listeners what is your favorite 80s movie quote and how does it relate to the club management industry how how do you tie those two things together we got some good answers but we have a winner and melissa is going to read the winning quote and the explanation to us the famous 1980s movie is Go ahead, make my day. Clint Eastwood in Sudden Impact 1983. Classic. So taking this into club management, taking the quote at face value and not in the threatening manner Harry Callahan delivers it, everyday club staff have an opportunity to make our members' day with a memorable experience through our beautiful venues, great service, quality food, and beverage. So our winner is Carrie Miller, the Director of Sales and Membership at Milwaukee Yacht Club in lovely Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Woo. She'll be getting a copy of the fabulous Chris Clues book out in the mail. So we're very excited. Thank you so much for being a fabulous podcast listener. And we are thrilled uh, to be able to share this great book with you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Carrie. And um, you can keep sending us your favorite 80s movies quotes. We're happy to entertain them at any point in time. So Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. Kyle, Halloween is coming up. That's scary. I don't want to think about it. I've had to watch too many scary movies already this month. You know what would really be scary? What would really be scary, Melissa? It would be scary to move into the new year, the new CMA year on November 1st without renewing your dues. Ah, we got (laughs) jokes here, friends. We got really punny jokes. We do, but that's our funny way of reminding you that October 31st is the deadline to pay your, make your annual CMA renewal, your membership renewal. So if you haven't done that, visit our website, log in, take care of that invoice or cut us a check. Um, We definitely want to have you continue to get all the benefits and services from CMA into the new year um, without becoming a lapsed member so so make sure to renew your membership yay oh man it's already been a long month and we're not even like we got two weeks left (laughs) we're good we're good what else do we have to talk about today melissa i know we have a couple events coming up um well we have a big one coming up uh and then a couple other things this fall yet so where do we want to start do we want to start with uh quick teaser about the club leadership summit? Absolutely. So 
Uh, the final virtual offering of our club leadership summits is coming up in November, November 16th. So be part of that club leadership summit. Um, grab your new board members or orient your existing board members on best practices and trends in the industry. It's a great opportunity. It's very accessible um, and has a great price point for anyone to get involved. And that's presented in partnership with our friends at Copland, Keebler, and Wallace. So definitely visit our website backslash summits uh, to find out more information about registration. Awesome. Um, in November, we are also excited to talk to you about the 2021 CSFA Fall Virtual Summit. Um, this member-driven event includes education sessions, a networking activity, facilitated attendee roundtable, and even a raffle. Um, we are obviously encouraging current CSFA members to attend, but we also want to welcome any club professionals who are interested in wellness at their clubs to join us as well. That will be on November 4th and the agenda can be found online. If you just um, head over to csfassociation.com. <laughs> I always want to add an A in there and it's not. csfassociation.com. Um, you can find the registration information as well as the agenda for the event. Um, that will be November 4th from 1 to 4 p.m. Those times are Eastern, so obviously adjust for your time zone. Um, but we would be happy to welcome any and all club professionals who are interested in health and wellness in the club space. And finally, the question we're getting asked the most is when is registration opening for the 2022 World Conference and Club Business Expo in San Diego, California? Da, 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 da. I'd be like, <laughs> that, that was a really terrible drum roll. <laughs> so stay tuned to your email box. Uh, registration will be opening very shortly. Uh, all members and past attendees will uh, get an email directly as soon as registration is open. So stay tuned. We have a lot of fun and exciting opportunities to talk about. We are so excited to be returning to an in-person format to really maximize your networking opportunities and stellar opportunities for education as well to build and further our industry. So stay tuned. It's stay coming tuned. soon. <laughs> and, and once we've released that date, once registration is open, you can definitely count on us here at the podcast to be addressing uh, conference-related questions and highlights over the next couple of months as we're leading up to the event. We want to make sure that you head to San Diego as prepared as possible um, and excited, too, to join us in person again. Um, so we'll be making sure to work that into future episodes. Um, so if you have questions that you want answered, feel free to shoot them to us and we'll, be, we'll do our best to, uh, to give you the information that you need. Um, I think that's everything for this, again, another kind of supersized episode because our conversation with Three and Jackie was just too good to cut, man. Absolutely. Really good. I think that's everything. Um, I don't have anything else to you. No, Kyle. Take, take care, everybody. Be safe and we'll talk to you shortly. All right. Bye. Bye.